1: Burrow.com slash ACAST.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this new episode of the Roker Report. Uh, I know I promised you last week that I'd give you an short episode, but we're going to leave that off until the finances come out and we're a little bit sure where we stand. Um, you're joining us immediately after the Watford match. Uh, I wish I had some great news to bring you. I'm sure you've already heard by now, though, that we lost. I'm joined today to discuss that by uh, Gav. How you doing, Gav? All right, mate. All right. Thanks for having us again. No worries. Anytime. And you, Graham. How are you doing? New to the pod. I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. All good. And we also have from Captain Fishpaste, we have his opinions, Michael Graham. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good. Cheers. Everybody's good. Well, where do we start? Let's start with... Watford. So for me personally, I didn't enjoy the game. It's been a while since I enjoyed any of the games that I've watched. Um, I feel like I was lucky not to go in the end. I was going to go, but unfortunately I couldn't. I feel like it would have really wound me up had I made that journey, so I probably escaped. However, a lot of fans didn't, as per usual, and hats off to them. You should never stop going. They are the real fans. They are the reason we do what we do, I suppose. Uh, Gav, what did you make of the Watford match? 1-0. What do you reckon?
3: Uh, exactly as I expected. I totally expected something to turn up, not change a jot, and roll over and have their bellies tickled by an average team. It was, it was exactly what I was expecting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was there was definitely scope before the game to change, uh, certainly our attack. I know what David Moyes alluded after the game that he doesn't have a lot of options. I would agree, but he does have one option on the bench, which he just seems to ignore every week. Which. I think all of us would at least like to see him give a give a go. So you know, he does he does have to an extent some things in in that squad which I think he could change around and maybe that would give us a bit more impetus up front. Unfortunately, he didn't. As a result, fifth game in a row without a, uh, without a goal. So it's you know it's to be expected. I didn't I didn't come away feeling any more disappointed or angry than I, than I have been for a while now because it's just the kind of performance I've become to expect. It's it's a Sunderland team that don't look prepared to fight. Um, that seem to, to you know, give effort, but you know, the wrong kind of effort. It's, it's not, it's not you know, making making any sort of difference to mm-hmm. our results. That, that we have players that sprint all over the pitch and chase around like headless chickens. It's it's just a, a I don't know. You, you know, you know when we, when we're watching the games and, and we're sitting there analysing it and. and each different performance from each player you know it, nobody is pushing themselves nobody is you know putting their head above the rest and stepping forward and making themselves counted you know even even our even our talisman the the, the Defoe front he he's struggling for for chances he's struggling for goals and mm. as a result the rest of the team fall behind and i think i think more and, more than anything it's it's you know Writings on the wall. I think the game to win was Burnley, and we didn't, which pretty much spelled relegation to me. Mm. Uh, this, this one, this one, we absolutely had to win. If we didn't, pretty much down. I think that's where we're at. Unfortunately, I
2: think we're down. Fair enough. What about you, Graham? What do you make of it?
0: uh, oh, uh it was just an air, er- an of er- inevitability, wasn't it? It was like, like Gab said, it was. I expected us just to sit down and, and, and get our bellies tickled, lie down, sorry, and get our bellies tickled, and it's I, I kind of had that false confidence beforehand, and then I seen the team sheet, and I thought, right, so you've got Kazri and Ndong on the bench in the game that would like, have to win. It's not one of those games where you'd like to win, like, we'll have to win, and he's got Jason Denier in central midfield, like and and it, 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 we haven't scored in, like, four games beforehand, and it's not a surprise we didn't score in, it, in that game, because... He's changed nothing up front, and then put a centre off in midfield. Like, I, I just don't get what his plan is, and I just think when it comes down to the reason I don't feel inspired, I think it's team selection, his demeanour, his attitude, the managers, and it's it's rubbing off on the team. Like the the team look not asked; they don't look like they know what they're doing, and there's just not a plan there or any gumption to pull ourselves out of it, like there has been for the last five seasons or in before that, you know, it's just, I think it all stems from just the attitude of the entire club at the minute. And I think based on what I've just said, we all know who are things to blame for that. Like, but you know, that's just my opinion, I guess.
2: Mm, Fair enough. What about you, Michael? What do you make of it? Um, I was just deeply,
4: deeply bored watching the whole thing. I just, there wasn't anything that got you off your seat, got you, you know, gave you any kind of hope that, uh, you know, to expect anything to happen. Uh, I remember, um, in the nineteen-point season, no, it was the the fifteen-point season. And um Niall Quinn, before he actually bought the club, came out and said that you know, as, as Sunderland fans just a, a go in the like ground, sit on the bums, and wait to get beat. And that's just where we are now. The exact, I mean, for me, we're in the exact same kind of like state as we
2: were then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, yeah, um, for my part, I was, as I said, I was disappointed to see it. Uh, I would agree with what you said. I, I, well, with what you all said, yeah. There's no, um, there's no fight in that, and whether or not that's whether they've finally given up on whatever atmosphere Moyes brings to the dressing room or not, I, I, I'm not sure. But that certainly wasn't. I mean, you could see from some players, some players that they had their head screwed on, and they're trying, they're, they're, they're not, they're not underperforming in particular, and it's like as a unit they don't really mesh. They don't seem to have gelled together. There doesn't seem to be any, as you've said, any plan really, any sort of, any way of taking this. All oh, right, well, I tell you what, we can hold off this, this opposition for 15, 20 minutes. But then what we're going to do is literally just rely on Jermaine Defoe, And if he doesn't come up with the goods, then that's it. And that's pretty, it's pretty damning to see that we have one goal threat. And when he's not firing, that's, that's literally all we're going to get. I mean, talking about, specifically about team selection, um, Obviously I think that one of the biggest points now <clears throat> sorry we've got Moy's coming out and saying that the reason that Dong was dropped to the bench was because uh because of Watford's stature and that somehow we'd be better off at defending pieces, uh presumably with Denier in the uh, central midfield. What do you make of that Gary?
3: Absolute all shit, if I'm mm, honest. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know we we've already said it we've already said it about five million times in the <clears> span of this <throat> podcast that this manager uh, doesn't have an idea what he's doing and obviously that's indicative by his team selection not picking his best central midfielder because he's not tall enough just seems bizarre to me we're conceded is, from isn't he tall
2: he's, enough you know. by the way I'm not entirely sure how tall he is I should probably Well, he's,
3: I mean I wouldn't say I wouldn't say he was like an aerial threat or you know mm. but I, he would, I'm sure he's certainly good enough to help defend set people yeah. I don't think I don't think it's reason enough to, to remove him from the team Um when he when he came on the pitch, we saw exactly what he offers. He's energetic, you know. Yeah, his end product's lacking, but he's young and he's going to be like that. and He's quite erratic at times, but as the season progressed, he's actually got better. Um, I, I do think though that that as a result of and Dong not playing, um, Moyes has kind of shoved his little finger up at the fans who said he was wrong to do it in the last game because he was wrong to do it, you know, and Dong in the Manchester City game was one of our better players gets dropped against Burnley, everybody's scratching their head as to why but they're like, Oh well, fair enough, you know. Uh, maybe next week and then he's omitted from the team again and you're kinda of like, well hold on, what's what's going on now? Because we really needed to win this game. It's not it's not like you can just drop him and then go, Oh well, uh, right, well the next game's coming up and we can still win that and it could still, you know, set off on a set us off on a set of results that keep us up. At this point, we probably need to win six games from nine. And Leicester have won the last 4 the bang banging them in at home. They look they look like the team that won the league last year again. And he did say before this Watford game that we need to win one of the two. Now, which one of the two was the priority? Was it Leicester, really? Because mm-hmm. when, our, when we got into half time against Watford, I would start looking at it going, this is there for the taking. We've been rubbish, but so have they. They've got nothing. They don't look bothered. We don't look bothered we've made a couple of positive changes here and we'll nick this. I would honestly thought that as well. I thought if he'd brought on and Don Casry at half-time, when he had 45 minutes to do something about it, that we would have went on and won that game. Because in the brief spell that we were on the pitch, they actually did make us look a little better. And obviously it was too late by the time they'd come on, which it's kind of it's kind of what we'd coming to expect. He's a he's a reactive manager and not a proactive manager. Like uh, like maybe Sam Allardyce would have recognised that at half-time and brought on the players that might have made us a more positive unit. Mm-hmm. Uh Moise waits until you go behind to make changes. So mm-hmm. it's it's you know it's what I've become to expect. It's, again it's like what I've said from the top of the show. The man the man does things the same every week and you know, the results aren't changing and it's it's kind of got to the point now where I'm just wondering, uh you know, do you really trust them to do things in the future? That carry out this plan, do we trust them to to make the changes to this squad that we need because at the end of the day his management style tells us that he's incapable of being positive in games drop down to the championship when you've got to win Nelly every week if you are going to get promoted how's he going to how's he going to cope down there mm-hmm. I just it really it fills me with dread the the endong decision was lunacy in my eyes I just think that when you spend that amount of money on a player that comes in it's clearly talented because you know you don't you don't put that amount of money forward if he isn't. I know I know we haven't paid this thirty million up front, but that's what he's worth by all accounts. This is a good player. This is one of your most expensive signings, And you're telling us that he didn't play because he's not tall enough. And then mm. we concede from a set piece. At least lie. At least make something else up. You know what I mean? Because mm. we end up conceding from a set piece, David, and you telling us that you're telling us that the reason he didn't play was to stop that happening. Great, brilliant! It worked, didn't it? You know, <laughs> it's just uh, ugh, I'm I'm up to here with it. You, you can probably tell by the way I'm talking, but it's it's just one thing after another, isn't it? The Indong thing. Yeah, I wouldn't surprise if he doesn't play it tomorrow either, because you know, less they're good from set pieces, aren't they? So yeah, <laughs>
4: that's head scratching. mate, head scratching.
2: <laughs> what do you make of it, Michael?
4: Yeah, I mean, for me, the there's a uh, the, the, the Indong issue is um, it's kind of. Um, it kind of forms a much larger issue for for me because because I think that ultimately what Moyes is here for the reason the kind of like his you know a U.S.P. if you like is the fact that he's supposed to be this person who can build a team and he can build a club and for me the way that you build a team is you get your own men in you get your own a, a central a midfield player that you want and then you build the team like around him and then. You go out to win a game, and and what he's done is he's paid all of this like money for a, a central midfield player, and then he's left him out on the basis of not trying to not lose the game. So it's it's basically he's basically sacrificed oh. everything that that uh, uh, like and dong will offer to the team purely to try and stop a set piece goal, and then having done that, even managed to fail. So I mean it's, it's it's extremely concerning that you know he's he's the one who 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 someone at the club's obviously got a lot of faith in to, to build the club up and yet he's building a team which is designed specifically as a you know a matter of you know leaving out your, your, your a record signing and it's not just the club's record signing it's his record signing he actually was the one who yeah. actually went out and, and like bought <clears throat> so it's it's extremely concerning that you know he's he's basically sacrificed all of that on the basis of trying to not concede on a set piece against Watford you know I mean these uh, I don't think that Sutherland could afford to kind of like slag off any team in this league as we're clearly the worst of the like lot but there's nothing in that team at Watford that We should be scared of that. Anybody should be scared of. Mm. We should be uh, going there thinking, you know, they're a good side, but we can win this game. Not, oh shit, we might concede uh, from a a, like corner. You know, let's build an entire team around that. I think that's that's a huge concern as
2: a a bigger picture point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're talking about. Gav mentioned the um, the timing of the of the substitutions and he's right when they came on they they made all the difference in the world we finally saw some sort of impetus and momentum gathered do you know what I mean it seemed like we were actually going for goal that's something that I like to see does anyone think it would be fair to suggest that the reason behind that is that this sort of attitude that Moyes has towards Kazri and now towards Ndong. And I, by the way, I think he's making excuses. I think he's pulling that one out of his ass. that whole stature thing, because that is just ridiculous. You don't expect that from any manager. I mean, fair enough if he was tiny and they had some towering giant in the team who was like a, a massive aerial threat. Do you know what I mean? I'd understand it, maybe. But it's ridiculous the way he's coming out of that. But I think he's just did, running out of excuses.
3: But Dami, it shows you exactly what type of manager he is because, like I've said... We needed to win that game, and mm. his first thought was to to put players in the team that were going to limit Watford. He never he never went out there to go, right, we're going to win this game, we're going to go on, on the front foot, we're going to set up an attacking manner, we're going to make Watford you know, take it, and mm. he didn't. He picked the centre-half in midfield with Rodwell for, for, for a very good reason, because of the big. that That's why, and he was scared of them, he was scared of what they could do on set-pieces. Now, to me, that's pathetic. When when you're bottom of the league and you need to win games every week, you well, know, I've got, I've got time's right.
2: On that note, I mean, we've just he's had his press conference today. We have the benefit of recording a day later, <laughs> and with that comes this ridiculous influx of influx of information. One of which being what he's talking about with Leicester. I mean, we'll talk more about what we've got coming up with Leicester uh, a little bit later on. But the key part of what he said there was that. Leicester are in good form and we've got to catch them on an off day and that that is so that is beyond damning that is ridiculous to come out with that the day before a match and say oh we just got to hope that they have an off day oh yeah we'll just hope they have an off day Do you, imagine imagine psyching yourself up to go and play a game imagine psyching yourself up to go and play in a relegation battle for Sunderland and that's what you've got coming out of your manager's mouth it is ridiculous there's no charisma there whatsoever there's, and we're talking about like whether or not he's going to carry on with a plan there's been this whole big thing about a plan it's all a plan and we need consistency and we can rely on he doesn't strike me as the man with the plan does he do you know what I mean he's not if there is some grand design behind all of this if there is some big scheme behind the way he's gone about his business in the transfer windows and his whole this entire attitude really then I'm not convinced even if they're on track for that plan I'm not convinced it's going to work if he's the brainchild if that that plan is the brainchild of David Moyes then we're fucked, aren't we? We're not just talking about championship football. Do you know what I mean? We're talking about worse than that. We're talking about years of, of gruelling championship football, if we're lucky. Uh, that's. I mean, yeah, I could, get, I could be getting slightly carried away. We'll have to wait and see, I suppose. But as Gav said earlier, if this is what is like in the Premier League, what is this going to be like when we have to come up with a lot more points than <laughs> than we currently need? I mean, Christ, I, I can't see any light at the end of that tunnel, to be honest. Well, it's it's it's
3: frightening, isn't it? Really, when when you think about it, how how negative he is now. I'm, I mean, I'm presuming it's because he has absolutely no faith in the players that he's got. I think that's pretty clear. He said from, you know, a few weeks into the job that he he had no faith in the players that he's got. He said that they didn't have much quality, and then in January he's telling us that anybody that he was going to sign wouldn't really make us any better. And you know that tells you everything, doesn't it? Really, that about the players that he's got. Maybe when we go down, he's, he's, he's kind of thinking, "Well, I'm going to start buying players that I want." But then I thought about it again after I, after that. And I was like, "Well, a lot of these players that he is using are his players, you know. He's got a lot of faith in Yannassay, who has got zero in product, not scored a goal or all season apart from that strike against Shrewsbury a couple of weeks in, and then, you know, maybe a few assists. I think he got two away at Palace, both in the same game, one against Burnley." Uh, and that, that's his player, you know. He's got a lot of faith in him, yes he's got no end product, that's what worries me. Um when this man's been given a, a full transfer budget to build a team for the championship, how how's it gonna get any better really? Because at the end of the day he's still scared to go at teams, he's still he's still got this mindset of a of an old manager, an old fashioned manager who you know, football's moved on. You can't you can't you can't do that. You can't you can't be like David Moyes is. He's really got to have a wake-up call in the summer. He's not going anywhere. I think we've, we've pretty much gathered that doesn't matter what he does from now. I think he's pretty much guaranteed to be here in summer. So he has, to have, he has to have some sort of enlightenment and think, right, I need to change the way I am. I need to change certainly the way I approach games, uh, the way that I approach everything really. because not, I, I, I asked this question in our group chat a couple of lads the other day. Name me one thing he's doing well. Name me one thing that he's done well, and I just, I can't put my finger on it, I'm not being biased, I can't, I literally can't, so I want, I, what I want to say from David Moyes between now and the end of the season, whether we have accepted we're down or not, we aren't down yet, mathematically, between now and the end of the season, show us what we've got to go off next season, start setting up in a positive manner, if we get beat 3-2 in a game, it's better than getting beat 1-0 off Watford and not putting up a fight, let's start setting up in a more positive manner and let's start having to go at teams, because at the end of the day we've got nothing to lose from this point, we're pretty much down, and going against Leicester again in midweek week and, and filling our team full of, you know, plodders is going to get us nowhere. We're not going to win. So let's just have a go. It's not... Honest, it, I feel like I'm talking to a great wall about this, really, because, it, you know, it, it it doesn't seem to be filtering through to, to Moyes the, the kind of criticism he's getting from the fans. I'm not the only one saying these type of things, you know? Mm. So, yeah, frustrating. Frustrating.
0: I think, you know, what it is for me with Moyes, though, like, I would feel a bit more positive. I mean, you never feel positive about getting relegated, right? But I'd come to sort of accept it if I thought there was some sort of plan there. And and when he first came in, he said he was going to build like a young side and stuff like that. And then I look at the team he's beginning. I'm watching bloody Darren Gibson, who's looks about 55. And Stephen Pienaar, who plays like he's he's 55. And he's dropping like one of our better young players. And, And Dong Pickford's going to be gone at the end of the season. Like so, what is the plan? Is he just filling filling us all full of shite? Does he actually know he's what his plan is, or is this just a mishmash of you you know a a team he's put together? Like, what's the crack there? If if there's a plan, then you know tell us it, but don't tell us a plan and then go play a centre off in midfield who's going to be gone in nine games in place of a guy you paid thirteen million quid for, and tell us that you're all about the youth because you're obviously not.
2: Well, I mean, it's not. I mean, he did, for me, what, what I will say about his plan on bringing players in, it it's obvious to me now that, I mean, I, I thought so at first, but it, it was a bit sort of like, it, it was speculative. We, we couldn't re- it was a bit paranoid, you know what I mean? We were supposed to give Mois more time. But I thought when he signed those players, in signing players like McNair and Love, That's then at the same time talking about building for the future, at the same time as coming out and saying, oh, well, we're going to be in a relegation battle, and also at the same time as not having any kind of charisma or anything like that at all. For me, it reeks of we knew this was going to happen. More than we knew it was going to happen, though, what really bothers me about that, if it is true, is that you could have prevented this, more could have been done with the money that was spent and the time that was had, more could have been done to put up some sort of fight against what you even if you do see relegation as inevitable even if you turn around and think this club's broken it's rotten do you know what I mean it all has to come down and be rebuilt at least give it a try because it it, it, for for me from all I can tell it it looks like he sat down and had a very real conversation with Ellis Short about where we are where we've been for the last few years what it's like with this managerial merry-go-round Do you know what I mean? And um, what we can actually expect and what is expected of him as an employee, for sure, to move his business interests forward. And as I say, it might just be paranoid. It was at first, but it's becoming increasingly less and less paranoid and more realistic that this was always on the cards and that buying those sort of players was because we knew we could tie them down for long-term contracts. If we'd left it, they would have been free agents maybe, or they'd have got to move elsewhere, so they wouldn't have been there for him when he knew he was actually going to start building the team. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like it's just a throwaway thing that he's done with the, with every other transfer he's brought in. I mean, if, talking about that, it is really, isn't it? Because we look, he's brought in Gibson, he's brought in Anichibi, he's brought in Lescott, he's brought in Pinar. Do you know what I mean? All players who aren't, they aren't going to be with us, One of them might get a season in the championship, maybe, whether it will be any good or not. (laughs) It's anybody's guess. But this is the reality. He bought young players that weren't good enough for the Premier League. And he bought old players that weren't going to be good enough for the championship afterwards and certainly aren't good enough for the Premier League. People say, oh, they're there to do a job. No, have they? As far as I can tell, Lescott's been paid for four months of sitting on his arse. That was like one of the worst, most ridiculous decisions I've ever seen. And uh, I don't have any, anything good to say, as you said, Gab. Asking people what he's done right. Uh, I can't tell you what he's done right. I mean, talking, before I take all your ears off about that, we talking about something else he's done wrong. Today came the news that after the Burnley match, Mr. David Moyes had been uh, less than pleasant with a journalist. Um, yeah, I think the exact quote was, uh, well, I won't give you the exact quote, but it was this whole thing about giving her a slap supposedly as a joke. Uh, whether or not you take it as a joke, whether you believe that sort of humour is appropriate or has any place in any scenario, that's entirely up to you. We can't really discuss the morals of it, I suppose. It's, it's pretty clear that it was the wrong thing to do. Uh, Michael, what would you make of this whole furor that's kicked up today?
4: Um, well, I think he's been very, very st- uh, stupid. I don't think he's been a sexist or... Threatening, or you know, uh, showing himself up to be some kind of a potential a wife beater, or whatever else the uh, papers have tried to make him look like. I think mm-hmm. he's just been fundamentally stupid. I think, I think that it's the sort of thing that you can that if you are going to joke about, you do it with someone that you know extremely well, and like uh, uh, like when you're alone. Uh, like alone, here, uh, like in
2: your home, yeah. Whatever Basically, you don't do, it was do certainly it. a bad idea, wasn't
4: it? <laughs> it was, it was, it was just misjudged, and it was. But I, I do think that he has been hung out to, 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 to like dry a little bit. I think that the the press have um, rounded on him because it's in their interests, too. Really, I mean, it, it, if they can creates a, 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 like, outrage on it. that it's obviously going to sell papers, going to get hits. Um, obviously, they want to kind of, like, uh, support her too, which is going to, um, which is almost going to be a, a, a show of, a, a, like, strength for, for them to club, saying, you know, that you can't really mess with us. We can ask you what we want, you know, and we'll always get our way. Mm. I think that, I think that, I mean, what I'm like angry about I mean I'm not really angry by like what he said I think what he said was absolutely stupid but I'm not really angry about it I'm angry that he's put the club in this sort of like place where where he's he's just basically uh, like opened the like door for all of this to come in and it's 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 more bad headlines at the, at the club it's more like bad press it just makes the club who he gets paid ex- extremely well to kind of like uh, represent and be that uh, like face off, it's just it's just made the club look needlessly awful again, and and I don't know how many more of these we can afford and how many more of these we should really have to put up with as fans, you know?
2: Yeah, I'm, I, I would I would agree with that. It's certainly as we say, it's a, it's a fucking ridiculous thing to do, and I, I agree with the point that as an employee of the club, as a representative of the club, although we certainly never expect him to paint this in a great light, because it's David Moyes. We certainly, we could do without him, uh, well, crippling is already <laughs> a very damaged <laughs> reputation, do you know what I mean? And I mean, it's it's a massive, it's not really a, a debate, it's a massive issue in football. Um, again, we're not going to, we can't sit, we couldn't possibly sit here and discuss that in the time we have, uh, the morals of that. But with regards to his actual, I think someone mentioned in the chat as well about how that's how he reacts to pressurising questions. Do you know what I mean? And that if, if you, anyone actually does get to the point where they do ask him difficult questions, which we've been critical of ourselves with uh, local media and things like that, it's been something that's been bothering us, that the right vital questions aren't being asked and why people are, uh, or journalists in, in particular are more inclined to protect their own sources, protect a sort of cushy boys club mentality... Rather than push these questions and get the answers that the fans want, I mean, Gav, yeah, what do you make of the whole thing?
3: Uh, I just find it embarrassing. It's another PR disaster from from the club, uh, from a person that is effectively a figurehead for us because you know he represents our football club in the media. So he's he's kind of got to have a degree of he's got to have a degree of professionalism every time he steps out in front of the cameras but this was caught off camera he definitely wouldn't have said it on camera because mm. he's far too defensive and he doesn't do things like that um, by the time this podcast drops most of the news will be out there most of the, the, the national papers are rounding on David Moyes I'm reading an article right now in front of me from Football London who are a fairly you know big website Uh writer called Jonathan Birchall who was titled it David Moyes should be sacked it's as simple as that goes into a full on spiel about domestic violence being rife in this country how it's it's you know can't be can't really do it Uh we can't really go out there and talk about it in the way that Moyes has uh, talking about the keys and grey stuff mm. the stuff with Eva Carnero or Chelsea you know all the
2: yeah.
3: uh, everything you would expect to be brought all the buzzwords up right now yeah really so this is what we've got to expect now over the next few days that the national papers are going to use this as a way of you know, leveraging their opinions on many things, mainly to fill column inches and, and kind of show Sunday in a bad light. deservedly. So many will say because our manager at the end of the day has come out and said what he said. Uh, from a fan perspective, it's embarrassing. It's it's Again, we don't need another reason for our club to be dragged through the mud. We've had the whole Adam Johnson thing, the issues with... Paulo De Cano in the past, uh, which caused widespread hilarity and you know pressure on the club. We've had all of this already in the last few years, so it's just another thing, isn't it? It's just another thing for people to poke at Sunderland, another reason for some people to say that we shouldn't be around in the Premier League. They don't want us. Who cares about Sunderland? It's one of those, you know. David Moyes will keep his job. It doesn't matter what any of these papers say. But it's it's putting Sunderland's name in in the spotlight again mm-hmm. for a bad reason. I would much rather that we're talking about how we've got Leicester mm-hmm. tomorrow and. The man just come out and said that we've got nine cup finals, and this is number one, and we're going to we're going to go there, and we're going to have a real go, and we're going to have a, a real go at staying up. Sunderland have done it before, why can't we do it again? Instead, they're talking about you know stuff like this, which you know, rightly or wrongly, is infuriating because I don't want to wake up and read this type of thing. It's 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 embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Hmm. Embarrassing is the only word I can give you because. Because what else is there? It's, it's just another thing, another thing to be depressed about, another thing to be annoyed about, Another thing to make you want to bury your head in the sand. It's Sunland in 2017.
2: Yeah, it does. It does seem to be something that uh, do you know what I mean. It sticks to Sunland, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean. There are. We have a, a marvelous history, as you said, of, of controversy um, <clears throat> with regards to. With regards to where we go from here, you say that he won't get sacked, like regardless of what the papers say, regardless of how much of a fuss is kicked up about this. I would agree with that. I think we've, and I, I was saying to you earlier, I'm, I'm in two minds. <laughs> two weeks ago, I would have said to you, "Yeah, sack him, sack him." I don't care who you get in; doesn't matter. Anyone would bring a bit more verve and a bit more life to the to the club right now, and would. Presumably come with fresh ideas and would be able to pick us up, you know what I mean? And would would stand us in relatively good stead for that that miracle mm. that we've all so, uh, so selfishly gotten used to over the years. <laughs> yeah. um, now, what concerns me is, as I say, two weeks ago I would have said that. Now, if we lose him, say lose him, if we manage to get rid of him, what do we have? Yes, we have we have that those fresh ideas. We have uh, a bit more energy in the dressing room. But ultimately, we've got a squad that isn't good enough and wasn't good enough before two mech transfer windows. Do you know what I mean? Now with players that, having brought in, having brought these players in himself, he's come out and said, for a couple of them now, that they won't make a difference. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't rate them for this reason or that reason, or he hasn't played them for this reason or that reason. They aren't capable of doing something that he needs them to do, even though he was the man that pulled the trigger on that transfer. Um would that actually stand us in good stead because it's almost like it's almost like getting halfway through pulling a plaster off do you know what I mean it's like you rip it off fair enough if you keep if we leave it where it is now or maybe not a plaster. Let's say it's some sort of foreign object embedded in your stomach. Do you know what I mean? And you have the opportunity to pull it out. You can either pull it all the way out when you've got chance, <laughs> when you've got chance before you bleed to death, or you can pull it out halfway and possibly die in a lot more agony, be faced with a lot more problems. That's I mean, it's not the best analogy, but that's the way I'm sitting looking at it now. If he goes now, whatever this plan was that everyone's been talking about, that Bain and Short and Moyes have gotten together and put that together and come up with this grand design. Will it even, will we be able to follow through with that? Will the next manager come in uh, on the proviso that he sticks with this plan, whatever plan they've got to uh, streamline the club, do you know what I mean? And streamline the wage budget. Will he stick to that plan or will any, any potential manager look at it? And I mean, every manager will look at it and go, well, what am I supposed to do with that? What am I supposed to do with what you've got here? Do you know what I mean? Nine games left. Ugh, not not a chance really, is there? There's not a chance. Graham, Graham, what do you think would happen if Moyes went now? Do you think we'd manage to stay up somehow?
0: No, no I'd be I'd be happy. Uh, you know, I'm, I would be happy for him to go whenever. I just, I don't see any future whatsoever. But I don't think, I don't think anyone could save us now. It's way too far gone. It's. Um, but in terms of Moyes, I just oh, like that coming out today. would just it's tip of the iceberg, and it? it's, it's just Moyes. Like he's a PR disaster in every way, shape, size and form in terms of getting the fans on board and then he does that. I mean, y- you know, what bothers me most is like we've had, you know, he who should not be named last year and all these people that just treat Sullen and, and, and drag us through the mud like like, like we don't matter and, and the fans are the best thing about the club and they always will be and we don't deserve to have to be ridiculed for people like him and, and the people before him. I just I'm a bit sick of it. Like, I mean... How daft you have to be to say that when a camera's rolling? I know it's afterwards, but you know it's getting caught up, and you just you just don't say it, man. You just don't you don't say it, and it just adds to everything I think about David Moyes, and then double like doubles it. It just makes me think even worse of him, and I just it, it puts me right off him, and that's mainly the reason I want him out. But in terms of staying up, I, no, I, I don't think I don't think anyone could save us mate, to be honest.
3: The thing is, though, we're talking about. You know, what happens if we get rid of him? Well, I think that's a gamble we have to take now, mm, if I'm honest. Yeah. I know I know I know that don't. I know Michael, you don't, but I mean, personally I, I just think like how worse how much worse can it get right now? I think I think if you if you got rid of him and you just put some coach in charge, Stockdale or Kevin Ball at the end of the season, it's not gonna make any difference, we're still going down. Mm. I think we've just got to limit the damage. Yeah, hold our hands up, say the wrong guy, he's just not the man we need. And then go in the summer when there's more options available and find the manager that we do need. Because at the end of the day, um, we were told when David Moyes came in that Ellis Short wanted this man for a number of years, that he was knocked back time after time. Other targets came up instead, we went with them, and eventually found his way back to David Moyes. And David Moyes eventually took the job. Now he was headhunted for this role. To me, it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that he's the right man. I think I think that the fact that Short was so fixated on getting David Moyes to Sunland, kind of tells me that he wasn't picked to, he wasn't picked kind of to, to for, for the job that we needed him to do, which is to rebuild. He was picked because the owner likes him and that's who he wanted and that was this kind of thing, you know? There might be another man during the summer who can come in and, and do a better job. I, I'm fully, I, I, would, I would say that there probably is. I don't know who that man is. That's not my job to find him. I suppose. I just think that. I just think that when you when you consider everything that we've witnessed this season from him, it's it, it's almost impossible to. It's almost impossible to to even suggest that he is the man who is going to get this club back on its feet, who is going to organize a team and bring in players that will win games every week in the championship. It's just it's impossible because, from what we've seen so far, the evidence would suggest that he's not good enough. He isn't. He isn't the man he was. and Fifteen years ago at Everton, when he when he started that rebuild, he's a different manager. Times moved on. Peter Reid was still the manager when he was out in manager. You know, it's it's like time moves on, footballs moved on. David Moyes is not not the man. Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll i it until the day he leaves because it, yeah, I don't have to explain it to some of you guys. It's just it's infuriating. It's infuriating. I have to watch it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you just sound like you're ready to top yourself now, we'll cut you off I'm, so I'm, I'm headed for head the wee bridge. <laughs> lad, <like. laughs> what
4: do you make of it, Michael? Yeah I, I, I kind of agree with Gavin in a lot of ways if you look at this season alone, I think that Moyes has done very very little, if anything, to give you any kind of faith that he's the right man for the club, but for me I think, I think that a big issue that we've had at the club is that we've looked at too many seasons. You know, we've, we've looked at uh, we've uh, uh, like isolated a too many years rather than taking like the bigger picture look. And if and if this season was you know if we'd been a decent for you know two or three seasons and then Moyes came in and it all gone wrong. That I think that it's very easy to kind of like identify Moyes as the issue, but I mean, for me, Moyes is just the the latest in a in a long line of of established names who have kind of like a, a struggled here. And I know that we've always kind of like changed, and we've always managed to to keep our like cells up there and stuff. But if you look at the sort of like names like O'Neill and. Uh, I like advocates and, and all of these you know these, the, these these people are not fools yet they had absolutely no idea how to solve this club and how to kind of like fix it and how to actually uh, actually move it forward so and for me that kind of like shows that it's actually it's so much bigger than who's in charge because i think that at any club i think i think and certainly one of which is in as bigger mess as like ours. I think it maybe takes you a year just to kind of like figure out uh, absolutely everything out that you actually need to, then maybe uh, one more year to sort of like start to actually fix it and then and then uh, uh, like third year to actually get it fixed. I think that we we, we almost put a, a too much emphasis on the short term and 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 to be fair that's always worked. In the short term we've always saved ourselves and yet We've never actually moved forward as a club, so I mean I'm more interested now I mean we are going to go down there's nothing that you know we can do now, but i mean I'm more interested now in how we actually move forward as a club uh, from here and from where we were five years ago because we haven't actually done anything we've not actually fixed it if you if you list the like issues that we had five years ago. We've got the exact same ones now, the exact same ones, and nothing's been fixed, and that's because we're not giving anyone enough time to actually fix it. We're just not, and and I know that it's it's frustrating, and, and I'm not actually pro Moyes in a way. Um, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing about him which I kind of which I kind of want to kind of like say, you know that makes him our man. That makes him exactly what we need. I'm just so sick of the change and so sick of, of going back to the, like, start after a year. We're not actually committing to anything. And and it's, it's almost like I feel like that's actually creating more damage than, than like, Moises, is, and that Moyes actually can. I think that, you know anyone that we get now is gonna be a risk and I think that anyone that we get we're gonna have the like same issue if they're gonna have this really difficult first year. So I'm, I'm just thinking would it really would it really cause any harm, any more harm than it than it like is to actually just stick with someone and just and just almost see what happens when we actually give someone that next year just to sort of like see if he actually can start to put things right. Because I mean for me there's something that needs to change throughout the entire club it's not just one thing the club through all of the levels they've got to be a complete change in the way that they look at things the way that they do things the way that they, they think about things i think it's all got to change and it's such a huge job and i just think that we can't expect say, anyone to give a, a quick fix i just think that it's that's actually thinking that way is actually holding the club back more than like
2: moises well you see i understand where you're coming from there with with regards to actually we like when you say committing to a manager and you talking about quick fixes and things like that and the, but really I mean you say there are a, for me that that sort of that seems to be the problem there seems to be this this idea that uh, sort of a problem with the fans that some sort of the issues in well division in the ranks basically and constantly chopping and changing is for some reason causing this issue like of not having a good enough squad not having a for some reason not having a manager on the table to stay on any longer than a season and a bit you know what I mean but there's only one factor in that that's always the same one unchanging factor and that has to be the owner because no one else is bringing in managers only the owner is deciding who is going to do this job, uh, and who should do this job, and when the manager has to go. I mean, obviously there's always a, there's always a lot of hassle from the fans and from the terraces. About the manager before the manager goes But you get that in any club It doesn't matter whether it's Sunderland or, you know what I mean, or Chelsea. It, does, it doesn't matter, you get that Wherever you are, fans will kick off They will get angry if results don't go their way And some of them will turn around and say We don't want this manager anymore Replace him, find someone fantastic Now, the trouble comes where A lot of fans when they say that They're, they're thinking that all it takes To be successful in the Premier League Is a certain type of mindset it's not, unfortunately. I mean, when you're talking about some of the bigger clubs, yes, if you come in with a an, a young, aggressive mindset, you know what I mean. If you really want to take the Premier League by the balls, and you've got an open checkbook, do you know, and you, you you're an experienced uh, man of football yourself, do you know what I mean? Not necessarily just as a manager or as a former player or anything like that, but the ability to go out and scout for what you want, identify what you need on the pitch and in the dressing room, and seek that out that's something that seems to be sorely lacking at Sunderland now what we've noticed is that when we're in trouble our owner is willing to bring in a manager and open up the checkbook people slate Ellis Short for not spending money that's not true he has spent money not a lot of money not as much as we'd like to we, we'd like him to do you know what I mean but that's fair enough That that's, it's irrelevant really it doesn't matter he's still willing to spend 20-30 million in the transfer window which I mean it's what Gav said earlier actually it ties in with that football has moved on yes you could argue that we need to have more than 30 million to spend in the transfer window fair enough that's just the way the game's played these days but we still wouldn't uh, spend a substantial amount of money. And what concerns me is that that desire is there to spend the money when we need it, when we're in desperate, dire straits. But this idea that the media portray that it's, it's like, oh, the fans have had enough with Paolo Decanio, the fans have had enough with Gus Poyet, the fans have had enough with Dick Advocat, and that was never the case. Every single manager that's come through those doors of the last five, six years has given nothing but tales of woe for the owner. None of them want to do business with Ellis Short. None of them <laughs> have any kind of... Well, I think Niall Quinn's probably fine with Ellis Short at the moment. They probably have an all right relationship. But do you know what I mean? There's, there's that pattern, and that's what concerns me. So the idea of saying that, well, it's rotten, do you know what I mean? It, it, and it, that's this is the only, way we can, the only way we can commit and look forward is by backing a manager through relegation and then... Onwards through another season Whilst giving him What Two Three transfer windows A third transfer window By the time The championship season Actually rolls in I mean Why not do that with <laughs> You could argue We were trying to do it With But why not do that With previous managers Why not Instead of waiting Until we get relegated Why not wait Until we stay up Where Where is the problem there Do you know what I mean Gav Do you understand What I'm saying about this Where, where would the problem Lie there
3: Ugh <sighs>
2: We've got so many problems. It's hard to just <laughs> put a fingers on one thing. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> we should be an entire episode apart from that. Maybe we'll cover that <laughs> in another short episode. But do you understand it's, what I'm saying? It's like a there's a big pattern here, and this whole idea that we need to go down in order to commit to something. I just don't buy it. It doesn't sound right to me. It doesn't seem nah. like it was necessary. It seems forced. I think. I mm. think that. I think that. The, the, you know, the the championship is.
3: Although when you're looking around the teams down there and you're looking at you're looking at the quality of the player, I've made i alluded to it before. Redden are quite high up and they have like Paul McShane every week in their team. Dean Whitehead still playing for Huddersfield. That's kind of the standard of your average Championship player. Um, so I, in in terms of who someone could attract next season, I, I don't kind of I don't worry about our ability to find the right players. What I worry about is that we are so. Deeply poisoned by all of these years of mismanagement and um, you know just the bad aura that surrounds the club, I've, I've kind of worried that it doesn't matter who we bring in, doesn't matter what happens next season, it's going to carry on. We've kind of seen that with Villa, in a, in a way, I mean, I know they're starting to find their feet down in the Championship, but for a long time, hovering just above the relegation places, despite buying a lot of good Championship players that were supposedly going to set them on on their feet. Uh, bringing in Steve Bruce manager who has been promoted out of the league a number of times. Even Villa are so deeply entrenched in this negativity that surrounds them for a non- long time. You know, was so so bad their relegation was last year it was probably on par with ours this year. Um, it kind of makes you wonder, you know, when something do go down, are we going to be able to just get rid of that bad smell and start afresh? Because you do need that hope. You've got you've got to look at Newcastle in, to an extent, and you've got to look at Rafa Benitez and the kind of the regardless of the fact he was the manager when they were relegated, every fan who supports our club wanted him. And it set them on a good you know, path because they had somebody in charge that they genuinely loved. It meant that they started the season positively and it meant that they were able to build momentum, which is now the top of the division now. Um, Sunderland go down with David Moyes in charge and I kind of worry that it doesn't matter who he brings in. The fans are so pissed off with how he's done things this season. It's not going to be able to help us in the long run. It's still going to carry in. It doesn't matter what the players are. And <clears throat> you know, on, the, on you know the topic of the the topic of the owner, um, many people are of, are of the belief that that kind of bad feeling around the club isn't going anywhere until he's gone. So ultimately, we're kind of gambling on faith here, aren't we? Everybody says we need to go down and rebuild and. Martin Bain tells us that David Moyes is the man to do it, well I kinda of worry that it doesn't matter because the owner's the same and it's gonna it's going to be a problem which follows us until there is a real, you know, set in stone fresh start at Sunderland which obviously mm. would be signified by a new owner taking control. You never know what can happen between now and the end of the season. There could be somebody comes along and wants to buy Sunderland, but I'm, you know, we're led to believe that at a short's kind of Resigned to the fact that you might have to stick around a bit longer than he intends to, and that's going to involve our plan of getting out of the championship. So, really, I, I would like to see a plan in place. We can't, we can't actually, you know, decide our future um, by just words. We have to, you know, there has to be actions in place which ensure that this club isn't a yo-yo club, that isn't a team that just swaps managers out every year and has fresh playing squads every year. There needs to be something else in in place. Which ensures that, regardless of which player leaves, which manager leaves, we have a plan. We have a, an ethos, a way of playing. The club is run in a way where we can get, and we can headhunt managers from other leagues, even abroad, in the way that Swansea have done, and in the way that Southampton have done. And we we need that. We need we need something where it doesn't matter what bad things happen to the club. Your best players leave. It doesn't matter because, oh, you're in the same place because you're running in a certain way. That's what Sunderland need. But I do feel that, you know, it's going to be difficult to do that while we have the current one-down charge. I just hope that I'm wrong. I hope that when something go down, you know, it's like the last two relegations where we hit the ground running and we, you know, kind of, we always felt that there was there was a way that we would be out of it and we'd be back in the Premier League within a year. Ultimately, we were. Um, going down is not easy. And anybody who thinks that it's going to be a walking apart when you're walking, when we drop into the Championship is... I think a bit misguided. There's, there's so much. There's so much going to happen between now and the end of the season, and I'm kind of worried that people are maybe just throwing away what we've got right now, which is Premier League football. I think I think that the Premier League is the be all and end all. Everybody wants to be here at the end of the day, and rebuilding in this league is a lot better than rebuilding the Championship when the constraints are so much more difficult.
0: You know, and I, I'm I'm really pleased you mentioned that, Gav, Actually, just saying about rebuilding in in this league, and you know, like. No, it gets me. People keep talking about how, and, and, and I hate to use your words, Michael, so forgive me, but um, you said, you know, it's, it's not something that can be fixed overnight. And I know I'm harking back to the, the glory days of 11 months ago under Allardyce. but I think the thing that I like most about Allardyce was, as we keep saying, we need some sort of identity, as Gav was saying, like a way of playing and it, it seems like the impossible job, but I mean, I, I know it wasn't always, always rosy under Allardyce, but you know what? He put stuff in place. He put a structure in there, a scouting structure where he brought in players we'd never heard of, like Kone, uh Kazuri, Kirchhoff. He identified positions and he put scouts in the right place and stuff in the background in the right way. And he started building like an identity with something where we were hard to break down like... We were direct, but we were hard working. And he started building something there. And he did that all in four or five months. So it's not as impossible as people are making out. And Allardyce is one of the better managers in England. That's why he got the England job. But it's not that impossible. It shouldn't be that impossible for someone like David Moyes. And we certainly, certainly shouldn't have to go down to to find that identity and to find that rebuilding process. It's easy enough to build in the Premiership, if you get it done in the right way, and we've already started seeing it, it's possible. I mean, before Allardyce got the England job, we were talking about a solid, you know, 13th, 12th place sort of finish next season and a, a solidifying season, if you prefer, and it, it wasn't beyond the realms of possibility. And then all of a sudden, David Moyes comes in, everyone tells us, oh, well, the this, this squad's crap, you know, it needs rebuilding and stuff like that. Like, But what changes between that, like it's just a case of having a good infrastructure in the back surely it's not as impossible as everyone in the papers and the fans are making out. some some fans are making out surely it's not
4: well yeah i i i do kind of get that and and, and i think that it's it also uh, ties in with what Gav said as well but i think that people look at like last season and this and think that the only difference has been a big sam and now Moyes. but a big sam hards Kabul, he had a Catamol. He had Kirkhoff. um a Catamol too. Now they're four big players in terms of a stature and like leadership. I mean, they were were like people that that the rest of the of the side looked to. And until he actually got those in, until you know at the turn of the year when he got them all actually uh, actually playing, a big Sam found it really really tough here. Here too, and I think that if those if those four had been uh, available uh, uh, like this season as well, I think that well, I, I certainly don't think that we would be so weak. I think that uh, a large issue is that there's no that there isn't really anyone on the pitch who, whether it's fans or the lads them themselves, can really look to when you know you're in a a, a a difficult period in the like game and everything, and and those were the the players who used to actually. Stand up, stand tall, and be counted. And now we don't actually have uh, like any of them. And you know, I don't know why uh, a Kabul left. uh, You know, I've 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 like heard various things, like we all have. Whether that was Mois's fault, I don't know. And and via certainly wasn't. And then he's lost the two uh, uh, through injury. So I just think that you know this idea that that a big sign went and then the only thing that changed was more is I just don't buy into that at all. And, and and I certainly don't think that you have to go down in order to like rebuild. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sit here and say, that's the plan. That's what we should do. It's just, that's what's going to happen. That's the kind of like path, which is, uh, in, uh, which, which we have now, you know, we, um, if we'd, if we'd sacked him maybe uh, a couple of months ago, you know we may be that was the time when we thought well we could really pick here but now as things as we can't go back and change it this is what's going to actually happen and we can argue we can talk uh, all all we actually want and you know rue that you know we ought to have done this and wouldn't it have been nice if that but this is what we have to do and you know it's about how we actually do it now it's not it's, it's not about if we'd have done this then we wouldn't have had to do this, well, it, it makes no difference, mm. this is what we like have to do and that's just the way that it is and, and, and it's almost it almost hurts more when you look back and think what if and you know it, it's, I don't really want it to hurt anymore, I just want the club as a whole just to look forward, just to start looking forward on better things because we haven't got anything
2: decent to look at, at now have we so Mm, fair enough I mean yeah, I suppose you're right In that respect Regardless of what Has come before This is what we have now And as Gav said earlier And I agree as well I don't think David Moyes will get the sack And yeah There was a time There was a time for it And I think we passed that We passed the point Of no return And with that in mind That's something that The fans obviously Have on their minds Keeping them awake at night Obviously Season tickets uh, <laughs> Big deal Big deal for most fans A big deal for most fans In the local area Certainly uh, it's a uh, something that clubs need something that it's a display of your affection isn't it? display of your love the fact that you'll go you'll make every effort to go to every home game do you know what i mean you'll and you're putting that money into the club it's it's one of the main uh avenues of revenue it's <laughs> it's important i mean there's a big big kerfuffle right now over whether or not people should be doing it uh Gav you've struggled with the idea of whether or not you should renew your season ticket didn't mm.
3: you? um Yes, yeah, I kind of do this every year, like. But I, I, I tell myself that there's other things I should be spending my time and money on, and I end up renewing anyways. But this year I'm at a real crossroads because, like I've already said in this show today, I'm kind of not looking forward to the championship under David Moyes, and um, I just there's there's so many things in the against column than there is in the for forecol- column with this. Um, I do agree that. For me personally, that having a season ticket is my way of, you know, giving back the club, showing that, you know, my support. I don't live too far from Sunderland, so getting the games is not a, not a, you know not difficult. And uh, I, I've been going for god twenty odd years now with the season ticket. I've been going with my family, so it's it's kind of one of those things. A match day is more than just the football. Mm. The season ticket is the reason that I go to the match, but the other things around it—going to the pub with the family, spend time with family is, you know, something that you can't really buy. Um, So the season ticket, I guess, in a way, helps to forge relationships that you wouldn't otherwise have or you wouldn't Mm. otherwise, you know. Uh, And I guess, guess in a way, that's the same with with a lot of fans. They go to the match with their family, spend time with people that, you know, they wouldn't have much else in common with. Um, Brothers, uncles, dads, grandfathers, you know, grandmothers, whatever. Um, So... Getting a season ticket in, in effect is a way of, of connecting with your family, and that's where I'm at. Like I think that's pretty much the only thing that's keeping me from not renewing is the fact I go with, you know, various members of my family. And what we're doing right now, R- Report. You know, we go down. There's going to be a lot less coverage of the Premier League, uh, sorry, the Championship, than there is of the Premier League. And I guess in a way, it's, it's going to be difficult for me to. Um, maintain what I do right now if I don't watch as much football so I'm, I'm in, a, I'm in a, like stuck between a rock and a hard place at the minute I, I don't want to renew but I kind of think, feel like I have to and I guess in a way I can't just be a fair weather fan, I've never been a fair fan God I wouldn't support Sunderland if I was mm. I, you know, I've seen far more bad than good over the years but it's just I think sometimes you've kind of got to show your dissatisfaction with the way things are being done Um in whatever way you feel negligible. And for me, it's kind of not having a season ticket. Well, Otherwise, yeah. you know, how, how do I, how do I do that? It's,
2: I mean, this is, where I this am. This this is what you say about being a, a fair weather fan sort of thing. That's, that's where the issue lies, isn't it? When we're talking about fans and the, there's a sort of a sense of guilt that comes with it. Do you know what I mean? But at the same time, a sense of entitlement and a, 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 almost a responsibility for some people to uh, try and make their voices heard uh Through through boycotting, do you know what I mean? Through absence. I mean, there's we've run some polls about it. Obviously, we've asked fans, we've asked readers about it, and things like that. I mean, even if you aren't, do you know what I mean? Even if we're not connecting with the with the readers to to get that information from them, it's obvious. It's obvious because we've. It, it's obvious to see. Do you know what I mean? It's everywhere. That is a that is a big deal, it isn't. It isn't just Sunderland that suffer from this. Do you know what I mean? There are a lot of clubs that they have, or a lot of fan bases that have issues with their clubs, and this this is a big part of footballers' life. Is is you don't have many options you don't have many ways of making your voice heard and particularly with Sunderland there's a, a stigma as we've discussed there's a stigma that comes from protestation do you know what I mean from any kind of or anything less than absolute faith do you know what I mean and just how to get behind the lads and that's admirable certainly admirable it's understandable but at the same time it it suffocates fans and this is the biggest problem for fans and this is Part of the biggest or one of the biggest reasons for divisions between clubs and fans, and why there there isn't a lot of relation, and why fans feel that you know what I mean, they're not they're not being respected. I mean, with the bigger clubs, it's always to do with season ticket prices. Do you know what I mean? If you lower the prices for your fans, then they they tend to be happy with it. I mean, I suppose they haven't really got much reason to kick off about not going to see the matches anymore, about how many matches they lose. Do you know what I mean? But. For clubs like us, in our situation, and as personable a club, I like to think, uh, as Sunderland is, it's not fair to uh, have that hope every week, whether you go to the games or not, whether you're watching them, whether you're abroad, doesn't matter, to have that every week and to feel like you aren't a part of this anymore, I suppose particularly for expats as well and things like that, it's one of those... Things where if if you're that far away, if you're not there, if there aren't more Sunderland fans around you to to put an arm around you know, and take go to the pub with and to drown your sorrows with and to talk about this utter shit of a season, then you, you sort of get left behind, don't you? Do you know what I mean? And that for me, would you say? I mean, I'll ask you lads, would you say that it's at all? Um, well, it's like it's it's a bad thing for that. Do you know what I mean? Is it? Is there really any kind of malice? is that just a misinterpretation when somebody turns around and says look I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm not doing my season ticket again you've seen a lot of things with like oh my dad's been going for 30 years my granddad's been going for 40 years I've been going for 25 years you know what I mean never missed a game and I'm just not renewing it now occasionally it's like a just an outburst of of rage you know what I mean it's, it's almost like a, a cry for help and they want someone to step in and say like don't do it you know what I mean why are you doing that and is it fair? I'll ask you, Michael. Do you think it's fair that fans who decided not to renew their season ticket that they get any kind of stigma for it? Do you think it's fair that other fans and indeed media outlets and things like that will look unkindly on them?
4: No, not at all. I think, um, I think it's up to everybody how they spend their money and their time. It's their life. I think, I think everybody reaches a point um uh, like immaterial of how much they love the club whatever everybody reaches a point where either they they can't go or they don't go i mean i i I used to go with with my mom and dad and uh, like sister and now i'm the only one who actually goes the other three went away at at, at, like various points not not because of any one reason they all had their uh, different reasons but now None of them, now that they don't actually go for you know even the odd game here and there that they like don't even go to, so you know I don't think that you could hold it over people. it's just you know if you can go um then i, I, I uh, and, and you want to go then you should if you can't and or don't actually want to then it's nobody else's business you know it's it's i mean i'm gonna i'm I'll be going it then like next season i've not I've not reached my point yet where I don't wanna go but. Um, I, I certainly don't consider myself a, a, a better or worse than uh, like any other fan for, uh, for the fact that I am going to go. It's 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 not an issue at
2: all. Mm. Yeah, I mean, what about you, Graham? How do you feel about the home season ticket?
0: Well, I mean, before we begin, I think it's it's for people listening. It's it's probably worth me saying that obviously I have to travel from Glasgow, and I've been doing that for the past five years, and I've missed maybe two or three games a season max. Yeah. And I've had a season ticket for, for 20 plus years and you know, I've got, got a slightly different story. I, I didn't grow up with my dad and, and that season ticket holder. I'd go to odd games and I was the one who who really loved it. And of course, there's the there's no, the nostalgic feeling of, of going to the games when you're young and the excitement when you go. And I, I still get that and I, I still always will. But um, I, I haven't renewed this year. I've, I've cancelled. And there is a feeling of guilt with that. And there's two... There's there's two reasons behind it. One is that I know we're going down, and I mean, I looked at that what up the roads fixture list to see how many times they're played on a, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Thursday, a Friday, or, or whatever day it may be, midweek. And an awful lot of the games, because we're going to be a big club in that division, that's going to be on TV, I played on those days, and I, I can't get down for midweek. The occasional one I can, so... It's not that I'll stop going, I think I'll still go occasionally, um, so there's a, a big reason behind that of why I didn't renew is a is money aspect, I mean I'll still go, but I'll go with the ones I can get to, I think I'll just miss more than I usually do because of the midweek in the championship, but I'd be lying if I said that an element of David Moyes' demeanour and, and the curve and, and the way it's going at the minute didn't have a an element to it as well, because... I've had a similar thought in the past, and you know, as you said before, uh, Damien, like when it's kind of like a, a cry for help, you go, "Oh, I'm not, I'm not gone anymore." Like I, I refuse, and someone talks you around and goes, "Oh, didn't be daft, come on, you love the club, and I do, and I'll always love Sunderland, I'll always, always love Sunderland, and I'll always go at the game in some way, shape, size, or form." But there's always been something in some part of the season, a manager, a player, that I've gone, "Oh, I, I cannot not see them every week, even if I've got." 40 quid to get the train down. It's my last 40 quid and I don't eat for the week. I'm going to see something because that's me. And I've just got to the point where I think it makes financial sense because of the midweek games. But also there's nothing about the club at the minute that's making me go, you know, with the campaigns and unity is strength and, and all this rubbish that they're coming out with about how you season tickets and all that. Like, stop trying to guilt me into it. You've got to give me something on the pitch to make me want to go as well. I want my club every year on the pitch And in the media, March, April time, to make me feel like not renewing would be the stupidest idea on the planet. And at the minute, I feel like renewing would be the stupidest idea on the planet. And, you know, I'll have a stigma attached because of that. And there is guilt me saying that, but it just doesn't make financial sense. And the club just does absolutely nothing to make me want to spend my 40, 50 quid on top of me season ticket every other week to go and see them from Glasgow. It just doesn't. And I I feel so bad saying that, but it just doesn't. And like, I'm like, Gav, if I was next door, I'd I'd go, but I I, I would never not renew if I lived next door or if I lived even closer, but three, four hours on a train after getting hammered phone out of Southampton and watching your manager sitting in the dugout with his, his, his head, not even in his hands, just looking like he's in a hoof. Nah, not for me. Um, I'm a bit, sick of saying it but I'll still always go but I think I just don't think it makes sense at the minute and I think it I've I've hit my point not where I want to stop going but when I've questioned my own sanity or whether I should go.
2: Mm, so, I mean it's, it's, it's sad to hear that do you know what I mean it's, it is sad to hear it. It's sad to I, feel I, it. Yeah yeah sad I can imagine it's it. sad, sad to feel it exactly and to think that there are so many others like you right now who are struggling with that very same issue is it is quite tragic. Uh what do we do? We, uh, as our uh, glorious leader says, we dust ourselves off and we look forward to the next match, don't we? <laughs> My ass. We try. yeah, <laughs> uh, fair enough. All right. Well, thanks for joining me, lads. Much appreciated. Uh, thanks for listening to us, you, the listeners. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on the Acast app and iTunes. Uh, next week, we'll be bringing you <laughs> Well, possibly an even more depressing episode because by the time you hear us next week, we'll have played Leicester and Manchester United. So, uh, yeah, good luck to the lads. And this is The Report signing off.